0: Is there a future where The Sopranos will one day be lost by newer generations? Perhaps in the oversaturation of streaming services and critically acclaimed TV like Tears and Rain. Welcome to Josh Hasn't Seen The Sopranos. I'm Jared Backins, and I'm joined by my two millennial co-hosts, Drew Madden and Josh Fink, as we go through each episode to uncover if The Sopranos should still be considered the best. It's good to be in something from the ground floor. Even though some consider 2020 the golden age of TV, I get the feeling we came in too late for that. We came in at the end. The best is over. Josh hasn't seen the Sopranos. Here we go. All right, episode 11 of Josh hasn't seen the Sopranos. We're going to be covering the episode Nobody Knows Anything here with Drew Madden and Josh Fink. We have video for the first time, guys. My setup right now is like I literally my screen on my MacBook got all pixelated. I think it's cuz I dropped it last weekend, but so I have two monitors that are set up on precarious like one's on a wicker thing that we keep stuff in and then the other's on like a a tray table. So, it took me a couple minutes to get into my my setup here. Drew, you like your I like your room there. Is that your bedroom?
1: It is my childhood bedroom. See Josh, can you see the the rock wall? I can.
2: I was wondering what that was. Yeah. <laughs> It's a rock wall. And for all the ladies (laughs) listening out there, Drew Madden is definitely not wearing a shirt. And if I do say so myself, he's looking pretty good. It's 105 in Sacramento
1: and I'm ass naked, ready to podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It is really hot here. It's like insanely hot. So episode 11, Josh, is Livia Soprano
0: the most powerful person in New Jersey?
2: I think so. I mean, she's definitely like... (laughs) you know that that one guy in game of or not game of thrones lord of the rings uh the two towers who has kind of like hooked the saruman no it's the other guy like uh who's the uh the king with the big white beard the king of men um and then he's kind of like under a spell gandalf the gray gandalf the white oh maybe no no no. no. yes theoden yeah how he gets under that spell of uh kind of like his advisor I feel like that's kind of mm-hmm. how Olivia Soprano is with Junior. But Junior I I think also just doesn't have the confidence to rule on his own. Is
0: I think if Junior is smart though. I mean, do you is is he smart or is he just easily manipulated, do you think?
2: I would say it's both. I mean, he's definitely not a a dumb guy. He he kind of knows how this how the machine works. I mean, he knows like when to when people are taking advantage of him he knows that he has to show a strong face but at the same time, i don't know if he's smart enough to kind of like think of the chess match that's being played and things that are coming next or at least we see you know tony is how he kind of placed junior uh up, up as the head m- to be more of a figurehead to mm-hmm. protect himself so uh but he's slowly figuring it out and curious to see what's going to happen next
0: so you think she's more power and i'm i was thinking about this too like more powerful than politicians. Like how deep does the mob run where someone who can call hits pretty much becomes more powerful than like a policymaker or politician or something like that. And you think Livia is at least top five in New Jersey probably.
2: Yeah. I mean, de- depending on how cheap manipulative she could be, you know, I don't think politicians are out of the mob's reach um, mm-hmm. or even, you know, police officers, FBI. I think if, if they try hard enough, they can find an angle to make it work and assert their influence.
0: Did you guys see, we're we're at a thousand downloads. So a little over a month, a thousand people have, well, maybe not a thousand people. A lot of the same people have downloaded multiple episodes of the podcast. That's more than just our parents.
1: It's gotta be. Divide by nine. It's over a hundred people. It's a
0: lot. Absolutely. And I I think, I mean, we all do this. We want to create a show that we just, I think, enjoy doing and wanting to hear. Like this is an outlet for me to, all right, I can nerd about the Sopranos for an hour to two hours every single week (laughs) without like sending my, like making my girlfriend go crazy or anything. Um, (laughs) So it's, so that that, that's huge. So I love that. So this episode, it's, it's coming to the end of the series. Uh, Nobody knows anything. Episode 11. So there's two more after this. We talked about Livia pulling a lot of strings, but a, a lot, a lot of other things were going on too. I mean, let's start with let's start with our each of our core of what this was drew what was your core of the episode
1: I had the uh, true cost of being in the mafia
0: and we' want to explain it
1: yeah I think it I really like this episode because it's kind of getting real like we've kind of had the um mafia story of the week a, a bunch of times and now it's kind of getting into some more real like not real subject matter but like more of a linear story where something significant might happen
0: I mean they've gotten into very real themes in the other episodes but i agree it's like really where those those seeds that got planted early on are starting to um starting to blossom into like okay this tension that's been building this whole season is actually coming out with tension between uncle jr and tony this shadow of like who's a rat are there rats in the crew that's been hanging over the mob the whole the whole season? That's, I think, been a theme. It's finally starting to come out a little bit. Um, and Tony himself is, like, there's so many twists and turns in this episode alone as he's trying to figure out what, what exactly is true. I, I think that's a great point, Drew. Josh, how about you?
2: Yeah, I really like this episode. I thought it was a lot of plot lines coming together, uh, kind of a culmination of the other 10 episodes as we kind of reach reach the climax of this you know season arc and uh really one of the more episodes that i wouldn't say left with a cliffhanger kind of did um but really made (laughs) you want to actually i will correct myself i think it did leave with a cliffhanger um and it really made you want to watch the next one right away kind of more so like today's tv Uh, that's what it reminded me of
0: so my distinction so i am anti cliffhangers when it's not naturally derived where they like throw things in and have and resolve it in the first two minutes of the next episode, I think that's weak writing. I think if it comes to its natural course like this, it's it's all fair. I mean, this isn't going to get resolved in the first two minutes. Sorry to sorry to break it to you, but um, so I agree, it was a cliffhanger. But I, I'm all for this type of cliffhanger. What was your core of the episode, Josh? Mafia
2: game theory.
0: <laughs> and you want to explain your thought behind that?
2: Well, my understanding of game theory is uh, when multiple people are presented with a bunch of options and they can either choose an option that's best for the group, which could involve some self-sacrifice, or they'll choose the option that's best for them, which involves sacrificing the group. And Mm -hmm. I think assuming Mikey is the rat, we kind of see that he, you know, not Mikey or not Mikey, um, Jimmy, right? right? Yeah, if Jimmy's well, the rat. Well, it
0: depends because it's Jimmy who's the capo and then Big Pussy who's close with Tony.
2: Right. Well, towards the end of the episode, Tony's believing
0: it's right. Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I just want to make sure I got the names
2: right. That's that's my weakness. Um, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's my pitfall of the podcast.
0: I, I assume everyone just knows them as well as I do. And it's like, whoa, I need to slow down. No one's been <laughs> going down this this Reddit rabbit hole for
1: hours like I have. Pussy. <laughs> Tony, Jimmy, Anthony.
2: <laughs> I, know, I need, I need flashcards. I feel like I'm back in school. <laughs> Mikey. Wow, Drew, you're
0: very good. Good job, Drew. B plus for the episode so far. What were we talking? Oh, so, you, so yours was about game theory. And, um, and Tony can make a decision that he doesn't want to that benefits the whole group getting rid of that rat or the opposite, right? You know, right. he grew up with these guys.
2: And then the the rats are doing things to crush the whole group but benefit themselves.
0: What do you think of... I I have this question later, but I'm curious what you think. What do, what do you think of Tony as a leader or a manager in this and how he's handling this situation?
2: I think he's actually doing a really good job being a leader. He's empathetic to those around him for the most part, at least in his circle, right? He's not going to go outside his, his crew. I mean, he does a little bit to help out dr melfi but she's was a love interest at that time Mm -hmm. um and so i think you know if you're it's like respect begets respect so he's gonna respect you if you do your job and respect him and the family and the crew he's just very old school that way so i think i think he his leadership style uh, benefits the crew as a whole i I think he's doing a good job as being being a leader
0: i was impressed because the uh mccasian vin and the police detective early on was like, you need to take your blinders off and look at this. And Tony seemed to listen to that. And, you know, at at points, even when people gave him different evidence for things, he was, he was trying to be as unbiased as possible. He was biased a little bit, I think. Um, but I think as a, as a manager, as a leader, he's, he's done a good job. My core, I, I ended up on the truth will set you free going with, going with Drew's, Drew's idea with just like, what's, what's real and what's not. I thought about doing Long Live the Queen because I do think it all comes back to Livia Soprano and the strings she's pulling. And those pulling those strings are creating kind of the biggest ripples throughout this whole situation because she has the ear of the ear of the boss, Junior Soprano. But I thought it was it was fun to see the characters or Tony more just people are lying to him or telling the truth and he's getting all this different evidence. Just because up until this point in this series. He's really been lying about everything. all the characters have been lying to some extent, but now when it actually matters, he's having a real really hard time figuring out what's what's true and what's not true.
2: Yeah, and you can just see it wearing on him like he's exhausted, he's drinking more, and he just doesn't really know what to do he's, yeah, he seemed to be I, was, I, I wrote that down in my notes. I'm
1: like whenever I get to a tough decision, I just you know get faded. Just (laughs) start smoking cigarettes and get some hard alcohol in me. Go to the titty bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go to Bada Bing.
0: Yeah, and and can't say enough about James Gandolfini. He's awesome. So this episode, it it stayed primarily on the main storyline. There was three main stories, maybe a fourth if you want to tie that in there. But can you guys think of it, those storylines? I only got three. I couldn't figure out... Yeah, yours are probably right. The fourth one is a stretch. I I try to throw in there, but what do you have, Drew? Well, I have written down here Pussy Wire,
1: but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I Livy, Livia, and Junior, kind of like a weird romance between them. Yeah. Like, how how do you pronounce the the uh, cop's name? McKenziean. Mac- Mac- Kens- yeah.
0: Who freaking knows? But I, I, I was calling him Mackenziean.
1: Mackenziean. Um and those were the, those were the three that I got I can't think of the fourth besides um Tony's sex education. <laughs> I actually
0: I that's so so going through those again I mean you're you're right pretty much so it's the big who's the rat storyline right it's like big pussy hurts his back he and jimmy the capo are arrested together tony's under suspicion of big pussy then jimmy and and this is the main storyline for it and then there's uh, you said the Vin McKazian, like how he has the relationship with the madame at the brothel and Tony's always cruel to him. And then eventually he, he kills himself. It, it's smart because his actions affect the other storyline, but it is pretty much his his story is like his depression, uh, which eventually leads to his suicide, which is just such a prominent theme. The Livia and Junior one. it Yeah, it starts with Livia's upset you know, with Carmela, she's upset that Tony sold the house. And then she uses her relationship with Junior to really leverage Junior deciding to make a move on Tony. And then I, I had that as the fourth storyline, that one that you mentioned is Meadow. It's just one beat in the whole thing. And it's it's a bit of a stretch, but it is Meadow has like these more progressive, I guess, or modern, I don't know, Id- 21st century ideas about sex and relationships. And the reason I thought that was its own storyline, because it doesn't really add to anything else. Like they go on it for about a minute or two minutes other than just learning about her character. So I I do think that is kind of its own own storyline there, too.
2: But uh, it's a really nice job, Drew. A (laughs) plus.
1: Thanks.
2: (laughs) That was pretty random thrown in that, like the whole 90s and it's 90s out there, 50s in here. (laughs) I, I loved it, though. Is there a specific
1: reference to nineteen fifty four? Is that not that I know of? Is nineteen fifty four a book or something? No, nineteen
0: eighty four is a book, and
1: I know, it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: about Big Brother. And uh, I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> I thought it was just he was throwing it out there, but I that was like one of my the funnier parts when he was just like, "It's nineteen nineties out there, but nineteen fifty four here." Nineteen nineties,
2: nineteen fifty four. Oh, I had a question about was it a different intro? was the intro different at all not on, not on the DVDs I th-
0: <laughs> so your DVDs are working again drew
1: yeah, I don't know one episode like stopped working and and now we're good um, I think it's maybe because you haven't watched the intros as much
0: Josh you don't you're not as familiar with them
2: that could be it but in my, <laughs> I watched it this time I was like this looks different but because you know how some some TV shows like change the intro as, as time goes on well I'm glad you watched it'm I'm, I'm really happy about that. <laughs> Uh,
0: <laughs> they do change it after 9-11. They take the twin towers out of the intro, but that's like season three okay. or, or four. Um, yeah, they they didn't change it. What was I going to say about oh? So the I mentioned my the Josh hasn't seen the Sopranos Twitter account last time and how like the meme got the most likes. That was the meme that got the most likes. It was the Boromir meme where he's like, "One does not simply skip the Sopranos intro." And that just like hands down got the most likes on Twitter. And it's like I was I was posting some like pretty thought provoking questions, guys.
1: <laughs> on on Instagram, if you if you just take a picture of your face, it does so much be- better than like whenever I post my artwork. I'm just like, fuck dude, I spent <laughs> like hours on this. And it's just like and then you just like take a selfie and you're like, fuck. <laughs> you should have clearly gone into male modeling
2: and you wouldn't have had to spend so much time on art <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a humble brag there drew it's like oh yeah. my art but take a picture of my face without my shirt on you know get like 600 followers and note note to
0: our uh five listeners or whoever's watching this is we already had to stop the video we uh it, it derailed our conversation because the bandwidth the bandwidth requirements were too high to all run video. So
2: her girlfriends are all playing destiny. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my dial up internet connection was getting pushed, pushed to the limits.
0: I bet there is Netflix going on right now, um, in the other room from my girlfriend. So, uh, it's, it's completely, completely her right. I encourage her to do that, but it is
2: slowing our, our recording down for sure. <laughs> not ni- not 1954 in your household <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're, we're a progressive household here we're a 21st <laughs> century couple so the actual episode um so you i think i mean we all enjoyed it where does it where does it rank for you guys compared to the other episodes so far
2: my like, novice understanding of film and tv i was really entertained by it so i, I think from an entertainment spec uh scale i'd say this might be maybe one or two of of the season so far and then of like actual quality of cinematography and, and things of that nature that like win certain awards it was probably like two or three mm-hmm. so the aggregate I'd say, top top two episode i i thought it from for me maybe just because c- the whole season's been building i'd i'd probably put it at number one so far just because i'm i'm finding myself most excited to watch the next episode
0: i think that's a big part of it is like enjoying like the episode on its own might not be as good as some of the earlier ones, but the fact that it's built to that point, I think like, I almost agree with you. It's just gets better. It's been getting better each episode. Almost drew. What do you think?
1: I guess I have a little bit of recency bias. And I also think like, as the show progresses, you get like more attached to the characters. Like, Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of exciting to me that pussy was possibly a rat. Whereas like before, like, when Brendan got whacked and when they were going to whack Chris, you're kind of like, even though I've already seen the show before, you're not as attached to his character. You know, it's only been a couple of episodes. You're like, is this guy even important or is he just going to get like killed right away? Um, and, uh, so yeah, I really liked this one. I thought it was really intense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely up there for me, but I, I don't know. There's so many good episodes and I actually started watching breaking bad <laughs> again too. Um, I told you and I was doing really, that, right? I'm rewatching. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, that's that's why I was rewatching it. I was like, I c- I couldn't sleep a couple nights, so I just put on an episode of Breaking Bad. And, uh, <laughs>
2: um,
1: yeah, it's just really interesting. That show seems so linear mm-hmm. compared to the storylines in this, with like the you know four two two main two yeah peripheral,
0: totally. And I I mean I shit on Breaking Bad a lot, but it is one of the best shows ever, and there is something to be said about how. Each episode just like draws you so, so much into the show. But like the the domestic stuff, like the drama with other characters, like uh, Walt's behavior is confusing. It's like the character stuff is not nearly on the level of The Sopranos at all. Um, and following Walt, this is slight spoilers, I guess, his character is almost... I mean, Brian Cranston's a phenomenal actor and he he does so well in that part, but his character is less interesting than the other characters. Like, later on, I, I prefer Gus Fring. I prefer Jesse. I prefer Mike Ehrmantraut all over Walt, which...
2: Oh, I would love to see a show of Mike Trout. Yeah. <laughs> is Mike the one with the goatee, the bald?
0: Yeah, he's, he's the yeah. older
2: guy. Um, Not the guy
1: that runs... Gus is the one that runs the chicken. Yeah, exactly. Okay.
0: It, or, yeah, Gus who... Is played by Giancarlo Esposito. He just—they just announced Emmy nominations today, and he has—he was nominated twice for—he's in Better Call Saul and then also The Mandalorian. But he has like the most humble uh, video thank you for his Emmy nominations. And I mean, he's—he, him as Gus Fring set that show apart. I think it, it would not have reached its heights without without him in that role. Josh, you are you? When was the last time you saw Do the Right Thing? probably a while
2: ago uh, probably like eight years ago but okay. i did write a, an essay on it in college so i'm pretty well versed in it
0: do you remember bugging out from do the right thing who comes in with radio raheem at the end and uh someone steps on his jordans at one point and he freaks
2: out i think so i definitely remember radio
0: raheem uh so bugging out is played by Giancarlo esposito completely un- unrecognizable because you're used to seeing him as like this uh I mean, it's this businessman and then it's just, Oh, he's this, he's this young kid and do the right thing. And it's just, it's an awesome transformation. He's he's a great actor. Let's, uh, let's, let's go through the episode and just touch on like some of the, some of the highlights or things we remembered. Uh, do you guys remember how it starts?
1: I don't. And I watched it today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it starts with, with pussy has the back issue when they're at the, the brothel, which the brothels first introduced. It's like a high class, uh, brothel with dermatologist dr mop and glow is there and, and the mob guys but he hurts his back there so that kind of starts that that storyline and then we we see big pussy with the capo jimmy altieri get arrested at the card game are those first two two scenes are you guys having a hard time keeping track of all the mob guys or josh are you having a hard time
2: i mean with with jimmy since we've seen him before he's uh, pretty much i know tony's crew no Jimmy, no Junior, and so that scene I was like, okay, obviously the main two main characters are involved. I didn't, I don't even know if we know any of the other ones that were there, but yeah, I think I'm, i think I'm holding it together pretty well. Nice. I remember that being really hard for me in, when I first
1: watched it to keep it track of everybody and like Pussy Polly, <laughs> Mikey, <and> Jimmy Tony,
0: <laughs> Danny Danny Ricky Timmy Tommy Davy. <laughs> have you seen Gunner Hunting? When he's just names all yeah. brother. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely hard. So that's why I, I try to reiterate them as we're going through this. So FBI, FBI sting. Jimmy and Big Pussy get arrested at a card game. Uh, Big Pussy gets out shortly after on bail. So Tony also in this episode, he meets with his, the police detective who we saw before, Vin McKazian, who's played by John Hurd from Home Alone. Have you guys seen, maybe you guys have. Uh, Josh, I hope you haven't. hope you're staying off the internet, but there's memes that are, like, ever wonder what Peter McAllister did to pay for that house and home alone? It's like on one side. And then the next side is just like him talking to Tony uh, as like the corrupt police detective. And it's like, oh, that's that's a funny twist. I haven't I haven't seen that meme, but that's awesome. Don't ser- I'll, I'll send it to you. Don't search for it. So he tells Tony that there's an informant in Tony's crew, which we've been this has been hinted at uh, just with the FBI or with the indictments and everything. There was speculation within the mob, like, oh, someone is probably ratting in order to like give the FBI this information. So he tells him it's Big Pussy, who's Tony's friend, and and Tony freaks out on Vin, like he he loves Big Pussy. This is yeah, I think this is a good time to like talk about just the background of of Tony's crew, so that it'll like help you guys figure it out. So Tony is technically, I guess, running the New Jersey crime family right now, though he's his. Rank is a capo. He's just obviously under Uncle Junior, who's the guys of the head of the family. When Tony, so Tony's dad used to run the same crew that Tony is running right now. So Johnny Boy Soprano did. So Johnny Boy was a capo. Uncle Junior was a capo. Like different old school guys were capos back then. But in Johnny Boy's crew was Polly. So Polly's like the older enforcer for uh, Tony. Big Pussy was in the crew too. And then when Tony was old enough, he got to be like when he was like 16 or 17, he started to be in the crew as well. So Big Pussy and Polly, these guys like go way back. They're a little bit older than Tony, but when Johnny Boy died, who's Tony's dad, Tony took over the crew. Uh, so he's known like Big Pussy, Polly, all these guys. He's looked up to. Big Pussy's closer in age to him, but um, that's just a bit of the background on those guys. He doesn't want to believe Big Pussy's the uh, the rat in his crew, and and Vin tells him he's like, take off your blinders, like you got to see this. And I thought that was that was pretty notable. I don't know, Josh, can you relate in, in business or otherwise? Just like, oh, I've actually had blinders on. I need to take these off because I'm I'm clearly biased in this situation.
2: Yeah. Especially when you're problem solving and you just can't f- figure out what the solution is. And then it, maybe somebody else just comes in with a different perspective. You're like, oh, man, that makes a lot of sense. Or you know, you've invested so much time and energy into this one project and it's just not giving you the returns you want. And you just need to Take a step back, see what's not working. It's hard. To, it's hard to do. I mean, it's like what do they say in a uh, true detective? The detective's curse is, you know, the the last clue is always the one right right below your nose or something like that. Yeah,
0: it, it like takes something for that that case to break something small, right? Like the wire goes into that a lot too, where it's it's usually something very like day to day or something very small or subtle that breaks a case wide open, which I think is so interesting. So Tony starts thinking about, okay, Big Pussy might be a rat. I need to start talking to my guys about it, uh, going over clues. So there's an open house at the Soprano household. He asked Polly and Christopher about it. They say he's been acting weird because Big Pussy has been acting weird because of his back, Um, not even making his collections and things like that. But then Pauly says, makes a comment. He's like, oh, nothing actually is wrong with his back. We see the same doctor. And actually the exact comment that Polly makes is, Remember when that guy hit me in the head with a pool cue and I fucked my neck up? So you're saying that he went to go see the same same doctor as, as Big Pussy and the doctor said nothing was wrong with Big Pussy's back. But that line on its own is just like a, a writer heat check when you just throw a throw a line like that in there. I think The Sopranos does that so well.
2: I also thought it was pretty funny where at, like the end of his little monologue. He goes, where he's pretty much convinced Tony that nothing's wrong with his back. And then he goes, but then again, it's the back. So nobody really knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's the name of the episode yeah it's just like well yeah i i agree with that about backs but also it's just like tony's just completely thrown off at that point so tony expresses this in therapy to melfi or he he asks you know can people experience physical pain just by something mental that's going on and she uh enforces that idea she's like yeah if someone's keeping a big secret this has been known to create physical distress for people I thought this was a bit of a pitfall that she happens to say exactly what he's looking or exactly what's needed to be heard here. Like she's like, oh yeah, if someone's keeping a big secret, that could cause physical pain. So I thought that was a little too on the nose, but um, I was able to live with it.
1: I wrote that too. On the nose, stress back. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just like, it's like, I want my therapist to like be able to analyze my dreams to like pinpoint exact you
2: know it's just like i don't know this is a little
1: farcical
0: what are you saying josh
2: i thought it was okay though because she does give the qualifier in the beginning like i don't know if i want to help you here it seems like anytime i interject myself and give opinions of somebody (laughs) it doesn't end well (laughs) you start screaming threatening me you know with physical violence
0: (laughs) it was less on the nose than like the dream sequence it was better it was more realistic um, that's more in line with maybe how another show would do it, but usually I th- I think of The Sopranos as better, so I was I was a little irritated by it. But um. what's interesting too is like Josh, like you said, Tony's just kind of using Melfi as like for his man- his managing his his mob really.
2: Yeah, it's it's he, she's his uh, Livia.
0: It's weird that to me it's like Melfi is still continuing to do this. I don't know if weird is the right word, but I just want to know so much more about why, and I keep asking that. Because there, there are episodes like when she clearly instructs him to not kill the soccer coach or to not inflict harm on the soccer coach, it's like, okay, that might be why she's doing it. She's, she's treating Tony so that she can make him a better person in that way. But then there's something like this where it's like Tony's using Melfi in this case. So it's just very interesting to me, her motivation behind it.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm still on the boat that it's just general curiosity at this point
0: yeah and i think i think you're right and i actually i really like the sessions with her i think lorraine Bracco is amazing in that role
2: is she the principal in
0: school of rock gosh i think i've only seen school of rock like once let's see
1: i also watched that a... today no i'm just kidding <laughs>
0: <laughs> every movie we talk about you just said that, that would
1: be <laughs> yeah i saw that today
0: <laughs> well I, I googled uh lorraine Bracco school of rock and it didn't come up so uh way off. Uh we'll edit that part out for you. Thanks. <laughs> My street cred. <laughs> Back at the Bordello, the the brothel, uh Tony sees Vin or Vin and Tony uh frequent this place, but he's still trying to get the paperwork. He wants to know for sure that Big Pussy's the rat before he does anything. So he wants um concrete evidence. Vin it says it's very challenging to get, but also like there's this theme we keep seeing is Tony is like belittles this guy left and right he just calls him a degenerate gambler with a badge i i mean even at this before we know uh vin's fate like even here i was i was sympathizing with the guy
2: i don't know i kind of get it from tony's perspective it's basically everything tony hates right vin himself is a rat um and so and he's not loyal to his own crew the police force and and things like that so i just think tony has zero respect for him
0: but even if you're you're trying to get something out of someone that's how you would handle it is just so so brutal to the
2: guy well i mean I, I, would, I would agree with that there he could have been more persuasive or delicate right. to the situation but yeah that's what i was thinking too actually i was like man if you want this guy to do you favors maybe don't ream him
0: but anyway he, he still <laughs> continues because he needs money from tony really as, as his corrupt police detective uh scenic at green grove carmella uh, goes to livia's livia again just plays the victim uh you know thinks tony is always out to get her they insinuate this. She Livia is always happy when Uncle Junior comes to visit, but she's like, "Oh, how could I taint? You know Johnny's memory. Johnny was a saint, her husband." And Carmela's like, "No one's saying anything's going on between you and Uncle Junior." But anyway, Tony goes to Big Pussy's house to further investigate this thing and has a sympathetic com- conversation with Big Pussy, asking him if there's anything that that he wants to tell. Tony. And Big Pussy is like sidelined. He can't really move anywhere or make payments because of his back issues that have been going on as well, too. And Tony says, you know, Big Pussy, you have friends that would die for you. I, th- I thought that was that was interesting, too. Drew, do you think Tony would die for Big Pussy?
1: Probably not. <laughs> is that a good answer?
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the same boat that I'm in is probably not.
1: I did want to go back to, like, in the previous scene with, with Livia, you, like, really see her fear of, like, abandonment. Yeah. You know, and then she's like, no one cares about, like, she's just like, I don't know, when you, with with the Freudian aspects of the show, you know, her, she wants to be, like, seen and heard, and she's got this, mm-hmm. like great fear of abandonment. So it's kind of interesting to to, like, really break down each character's fears into, you know, one word or... Or something, and she kind of like just states them. Do you think she has a point? Yeah, definitely. But I think she also probably puts up, how can I say this? It's like you cause your fears or your these, these things to happen to you. You know, if she was a little bit warmer, then she wouldn't be abandoned as much. Like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, exactly.
0: As an old woman, you're like, oh, I I feel like I need to sympathize with you. But then we, in the flashback scenes, we realized she was always pretty manipulative. And everything, too. And at the end of this episode, we we see how how horrible she is by I mean, we'll get to it, but pretty much okaying the junior or putting that in junior's head that he needs to make a move on Tony. So that that leads us to to the next scene. Tony actually goes to Green Grove to check. He's worried about his mom, Livia. She wasn't in her room. Do you guys remember the. The attendant at Green Grove was like, oh, she's doing aqua therapy right now. And I loved he's like, I didn't even know my mom owned a bathing suit. (laughs) But the the lady says that she always gets excited for Junior's visits, too. And I Tony got suspicious or he he started thinking about that a little bit, like almost maybe like he was close to being a step ahead, ahead of his mom, but he just barely misses out at the end of the episode.
2: Oh, he was definitely suspicious. Did you also? You want to notice the lady's like chair? Yeah, it was just so like, low. It's like her head was at like the desk level. Yeah, she looked like a <laughs> she looked like
1: a uh, like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory or something. <laughs> like, like an Loopa.
2: Yeah, it was, it was, looked, it was just ridiculous. Like, just like
1: crawl up on your desk and take notes or something. She
2: needs like a periscope to see the keyboard.
0: Do you think that day on set? They're like, this is the only chair we have. We don't have a bigger chair. They're like, get her some pads or something. No, we just got to get through it. That's my that's my pitfall. That's a good that's a good pitfall. It's like, all right, she there is no way her neck and shoulders are not hurting from <laughs> working there all day. Now that we've been working from home for so long, or I have, I don't, you guys haven't, but
1: it's like I I sympathize with that. That is a bad chair. It's like when you. Are in high school, and there's that like one really smart, like sixth grader that's in <laughs> your class, like, in your math class, in your
2: calculus math class. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I had one of those. They would like walk over from middle school to the high school and take the advanced <laughs> math.
0: <laughs> we should talk. Um, Tony is thinking about what to do about Big Pussy, and Polly comes to him, who Polly is obviously older than Tony was in the crew longer than Tony was there, but he respects Tony as a leader and says, you know, I'll, I'll handle this with big pussy. And Tony tells him, we have to be absolutely sure that he's the rat. If this is, if, if you're going to do this and which he's insinuating, if you're going to kill him, which is what you have to do, we have to be absolutely sure. So Paulie goes to goes to investigate big pussy and how he does this is first he pulls his car up to him, honks the horn, which is the Godfather theme, which I don't know if you guys, realized that his horn was that. And tells big pussy to follow him. They go to a bathhouse and Polly is trying to convince big pussy to v- take a schwitz, uh which is like a hot what is it? A, is it a sauna or is it a hot
2: bath? I think it's a steam.
0: Okay. So but big pussy refuses. He's like, "No, the the I have high blood pressure and the steam is bad for me." And but Polly wants big pussy to take his clothes off so that he could see if there's a wire there or anything. It's it's a bit direct for Polly. It's like no, if, don't, if he's wearing a wire, he's gonna make up everything to not take his clothes off. But I don't know. And then from here though, it's like Tony sends Polly off, and then Silvio confuses Tony even more. Silvio, who's Tony's secondhand guy pretty much, explains to Tony that Vin Mackenzie and the police detective owes Big Pussy thirty thousand dollars, so he has a big motivation to see something happen, like to get Big Pussy out of the pu- picture. And I, I think this goes back to what you said, Josh, is Tony's a smart leader. He says that might be true, but it doesn't stop the fact. I mean, Pussy could still be a rat.
2: Yeah. Plus, like, the debt's not with Big Pussy. It's with, like, the, the crew, I'd imagine. It's not like if Big Pussy's dead, that debt just gets erased.
0: That's a good point. I wonder how... So, the way it works is he is, like, one of the soldiers. So, like, all these guys, so, like, Polly, Big Pussy, these guys are under Tony in this, in this crew, and that crew's all under Junior, but... Each of these guys have their collections and their schemes where they find ways to make money, whatever it is, uh, extorting people, having businesses pay them to protect them. I don't think that's like as – maybe the big lucrative things are clearly written like, oh, you own gambling, you own this. But like the day-to-day stuff, I don't think that's kept track of like the whole crew. So if, if Big Pussy has – you know, if Vin owes Big Pussy 30 grand, I don't think – I don't think the rest of the crew would know. It's up to Big Pussy to like kick a certain percentage up to Tony on everything he earns. But I don't know if the crew would pay attention to that.
2: Oh, I didn't know
1: that's how it works. It's not in QuickBooks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, they, they don't keep track of it in QuickBooks. <laughs> I mean, Tony also sees Vin, this police detective, as the only way of knowing for sure if Big Pussy is a rat without explicitly finding a wire on him. But which complicates things with this story, this Vin's storyline is he's at the brothel and they get busted by police so he's arrested we learn he gets suspended uh tony sees it on tv which is a bit of a trope in t- in tv shows whenever a big storyline is revealed through a tv they're just like happen to be watching the news and so that always kind of bothers me a little bit and that's where they have he and meadow have their their sex talk out there it's the 1990s and this house is 1954
1: And then he just puts his plate in the bottom of the sink and leaves. (laughs) (laughs) All right, (laughs) Carmela. That's what it's like at your your parents' house, right,
0: Drew? You're just like, all right, putting this in the sink.
1: No, my dad, but my, yeah, my dad does that. I I won't get into that, even though I just did. (laughs) Um, I'll tell a side story. One time I was at my girlfriend's grandma's house and I was like doing all the dishes after dinner and one of (laughs) my partner's, cousins walks in she's like wow i haven't seen a man in this kitchen in 20 years
0: <laughs> wow 21st century man you are drew nice
1: The <laughs> in a van down by the river <laughs> hopefully soon how's that coming along how far away are you guys out from doing that uh tomorrow we should be getting a big box to put our fridge and uh our battery and then like cut another hole so that the uh solar can get connected like right now we just connect the solar like through our window but um just like th- feed the wire in through the passenger window. Wow. But uh so we're getting pretty close to being entirely done or at least um there'll be some small stuff that we need to do. But uh yeah getting really really close.
0: Nice man. Van life. So the van gets suspended as a as a police officer. It goes to a scene in traffic where he's in traffic on the bridge. He uses his badge to get through the traffic just to expedite him pulling off to the side and jumping off the bridge. So, Vin McKazian kills himself.
2: Is he dead, though? I mean, that bridge wasn't that high. <laughs> he looked pretty dead to me. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I, I
1: mean... I, I, like, do a belly flop off of, like, the side of the pool. Just, like, just fall in.
2: It hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, like, the corn... So, I'm in, I live in San Diego, and the San Diego Coronado Bridge—that thing's like 200 feet tall, and people still survive sometimes. Baxter from Anchorman survived, exactly.
0: Oh, that's true. That's the Coronado Bridge, isn't it? That's a good point. Yeah, I, it, it was probably a little low to, to be realistic uh, for the show purposes. It's not really the type of show to have like uh, spoilers, but like Vin comes back in like season four. He's like, guys.
2: Oh, guys, yeah. I was, I was survived. thinking. I- I was I was trying to think like six steps ahead. I was like, maybe he's like, no, oh, now I'm afraid of my gambling debts, <laughs> and he's just like an ex college diver, and he just <laughs> he just pops back up. He's like suckers. Goes on, goes on his way. I'm gonna go raise a
1: family now. Go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
2: really gonna clean my life up. <laughs> Move to
0: Chicago. Have a bunch of kids. Leave one of them at home on their trip to Paris. <laughs> That's his his life in the witness protection program. After he turns, turns Tony and the whole crew in. There's uh there's spe- or there's funny stuff on the internet that says Walt from Breaking Bad, his time in the Witness Protection Program is just Malcolm in the middle. They're like in the same universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which you're like, all right, maybe. So that's, that's probably a good time. Let's take our intermezzo here. So for this week, because we are approaching the end of this season, let's talk about... Season endings that we really loved in TV series or series endings we can talk about
2: as well. Who wants to go first? I think we've all mentioned before, but season one of Game of Thrones, very good ending. Yes. There's another Game of Thrones season, like last three or four episodes that are... I think there's a couple episodes that are just... Or seasons that are epic with the last three or four episodes. So it's not even fair to just choose one.
0: It, it does do that really well, especially early on i think probably even the first four seasons or so um or even spoilers for game of thrones season six i was like i didn't enjoy anything until i think the last episode where uh cersei blows up the is it the septa Baylor is that the what it's called forgetting i'm getting my fantasy stuff mixed up where she like blows that whole thing up and kills like everyone in it like all of the uh tyrells and the priest do you guys even remember this yeah yeah yeah. that was crazy yeah
2: they have that weird that super long song that's yeah slow song i actually downloaded that song and then put on my workout list and then i was like i was
0: gonna say what do you what do you do to that song yeah it's a good workout song
2: no it's not it's terrible i I immediately removed
0: it you're just doing all this machiavellian shit like leaving weights on the bar (laughs) it's
2: like take that (laughs) Speeding up the old ladies' treadmills as I walk by, <laughs>
0: taking the clips off their shirts. As you speed it up. Yeah, you got to take that off the workout workout list.
2: Yeah, it didn't it didn't last very long. I was like, oh, this song is sweet, but no, only only good for that scene. <laughs>
0: it, it is good though. That's that sticks in my head. I, I think probably once we get off this, I'm gonna have to pull that YouTube clip <laughs> up and watch that. Uh, I do that a lot where I'm just like uh, a scene or something in a show that I really love pops into my head. And I'm just like, I got to watch this. Oh
1: no, I can't even think of the movie now. Oh but, yeah. yeah. never mind. What? We'll <laughs> of a
0: ending you really liked?
1: No, it was a song from Requiem of a dream. That's right. They're like, Uh-oh. they're like on heroin or meth or something like and playing this, like that DJ like song, they're, like playing some beats. And I was like, that's so sick. And then, I listen to it out of the out of context. That seems to happen a lot in like trailers or something. You are like getting all pumped up, and then you are like, "Now nah, this song kind of blows." Yeah, you are just eating an edible, and you are just like, "This is not going well." <laughs> I am glad. I am. I am very glad I didn't eat an edible before watching Rec Room of a because so so fucked. That movie sober is so depressing. Yeah,
0: it's good. I've seen it once, and I am. I am never gonna see it again. I think it's just like, "Yep, I got it." anything else josh for a season or series and
2: things i'm hesitant to say some because i know a lot of them you would scoff at with your cliffhangers but let's hear it um one good one actually that i was talking about the other day with somebody was um house of cards i thought that season one ended really well really made me want to like watch the next Mm -hmm. season
0: he spoilers for house of cards he comes becomes vice president at the end of season one right i believe so yeah and then present at the end of season two. Yeah. Those those were good endings. He's a character, though, that I, I stopped watching that even before, like, it kind of derailed at the end. Like, I I was, like, I was kind of over it. I and mean, the first two seasons were, were really well done. Um, but he's a character that was confusing, I think. Like, it's good to have contradictions in your anti-heroes, but he was... There's too much going on. Yeah, they, like, threw stuff in just to be like a nuance like oh this is exciting but it was just like oh that's, that's kind of confusing
2: and then one of one other show i don't know i've talked about this previously but i'm in the thick of it now is billions it seems like each season ends really well they tie up all the loose ends not so much a cliffhanger but you can kind of each season's kind of like a chess game and then it's almost checkmate but you're like wait there's a few more moves that could be played and Mm -hmm. so that's what kind of leads into the next season and actually jared i think you would really like that show because i've as i've watched it i just finished season three they probably have like three or four movie quote references in like (laughs) each episode and and it's just like they're so in it's these super type a like investment bankers that are Mm -hmm. super smart and they're just like railing off these references and it's just like it's got happening so fast. Like they, and they, a lot of times they don't explain it for you. So you have to have seen it to, to understand it. So I'm like telling Sarah, like what half these references are. Cause she's like, what does that mean? But it's, if you know them all, it's really entertaining.
0: You're just making them up, like acting like, let me, let me tell you what that <laughs> one. <would mean. laughs> um, I, that, that's on my, that's on my list for the next, next show. I, I do want to see that one. I think, it sounds like the way you describe how seasons end how seasons end that's like right up my alley if I, I think a satisfying ending is is really important in a season.
1: drew, how about you? Um, I was thinking kind of to go off the off track of like the shows that we normally talk about. did you guys ever watch the show Dexter? no, no I, I didn't really, I never did I, don't, I, don't, I remember when you were watching it in college Yeah, I was watching it in college and I really liked it and then i I probably wouldn't enjoy it quite as much now, but the first two or three seasons, especially like the second and like the, maybe the fourth one or something, it, it just, they would get these like really convoluted endings where you're like, how the fuck are they going to tie this up? And then they tie it up really well. Yeah. Like in the second season spoilers, someone finds out who, you know, Dexter is and that mm-hmm. he's the serial killer. And you're just like, there's, it's just like, how's the show going to continue? And uh, I, I thought they did a pretty good job with with you know the, uh, each of the each of those endings. I also liked uh, the end of Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Just everyone, everyone gets together and Joey goes to L.A. Yay!
0: <laughs> so much hugging. Everyone learns a lesson at the end.
1: Yeah, and Ross and Rachel are like, okay, we've broken up and gotten back together about you know forty times, but this is it. This is it. He's he's like even when we were on a break, like makes that joke. <laughs> Best part about that is Paul Rudd. You're like nice. They just snuck in Paul Rudd. Oh, he's uh, Phoebe's husband, boyfriend, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, husband.
0: I'm friends sure is a great show. I, I I love that though. In Seinfeld, Larry David early on said that there would be no hugs and no learning lessons in the show. <laughs> and I think that's so much more. I mean, I, I talked about it before. I, I just love Seinfeld and even like studying this stories of a Seinfeld episode, how they all tie together. Like as a drama writer, you can take so much out of that, how all these stories intertwine and, and relate to each other. So I actually, I love the ending of Seinfeld. It got a lot of flack because it, it was so hyped up. And then I think didn't meet expectations for a lot of people, but I really love that ending um did you have any other other ones Drew?
1: um i recently watched the last harry potter movie and i was like you know (laughs) that's pretty good i mean it's so hard to end like a show like game of thrones or lord of the rings or harry potter you know it's just like are you gonna kill a bunch of people and make it super sad are you gonna you know make it too happy it's just you're
2: kind of like Oh, Lord of the Lord of the Rings was way too happy with like the twelve minutes of laughing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like they're all running in on the bet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's like, oh, you could have summoned these eagles the whole time. <laughs>
0: like, I, I have a, I have a long argument for that. That we can maybe we can do a segment in next week's intermezzo with why they didn't summon the eagles earlier. And let's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why they didn't summon those eagles,
2: Josh. I read the books and I can't, I can't remember. I'm sure there's a reason in the books. The Eagles. Well, they were migrating, of course. (laughs) (laughs) The whole point of
0: bringing the ring in on foot was so that Sauron wouldn't notice at all. Like he could never conceive that anyone would want to destroy the ring because he was so, he was so vain about it. If they brought the Eagles in to fly them in, um, he would have been able to put all of his resources in them. So like the, the mission from the start was very much sneaking the rings into Mordor. Or the ring into Mordor. Well,
2: I don't know. If they do a quick enough shot, maybe fly up really high above the atmosphere.
0: He had the ring wraith protecting. Um He had the what? The Ring Wraiths. You know, the the hooded uh black knights that were on their uh their dragons. Oh tower. yeah,
2: the old kings.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. So I mean, if you had that decision, it's like, all right, we can do this like sudden attack with the eagles. We'll get spotted right away. He'll put all of his resources to stop us or we can try to sneak it in. I think the, the option would be to sneak it in. They didn't know all of those bad things were going to happen on the way in. But that's my argument for not using the eagles.
2: I think that's fair. Unless they would have <laughs> like had an eagle swallow the ring and then they ride up right over the volcano and just kill the eagle. So he falls right into the lava. <laughs>
0: well he would have been able to sense the ring was still there he knows where the ring
2: is that's true we're really fucking up our intermezzo next week all these lord of the ring nerds are listening to this and being like this is the dumbest podcast of all time you guys are <laughs> so <did>. wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well they they can
0: write in and tell us about it so i think i gosh i don't know who who put it this way but endings have been described as they should be a surprise, but make perfect sense to you. So like when you see it, you're surprised, but then you realize, oh, okay, that's what should have happened. And spoilers for or Mad Men. I felt like that ending really was, I didn't know what was coming in that. And that for that whole series and that ending, um, I, I realized, oh, that was perfect.
1: I thought he was going to uh anti-spoiler or whatever. I thought he was just going to throw himself off the top of the building. And it's like the ending was, what you saw yeah in the entire show i was like oh that kind of would have been uh interesting that's really interesting i would and they like
0: play the music as he's falling down yeah and the series ends yeah oh that that would actually be that would actually be pretty cool um i don't think i would have liked it as much but i like that i wouldn't have expected that i think the wire did really well in all of its season endings i think season i mean they are all devastating uh Slight spoilers, but season four, I think the one that focused on the school kids, that one was uh, that was that was the one that was the hardest. And then shout out to Breaking Bad, because I do give it so much shit like it ends in a lot of cliffhangers, but it is it is still really well done. Season three, season four, especially season four didn't end in a cliffhanger. And that was like a spoilers for season four of Breaking Bad. That's when he kills Gus Fring at the end of that. And that was a great way to end a season.
2: That was the that was the best way to kill somebody. Just like, yeah. gets ultimate revenge, blows him up, half his face is off. You're like, wait, is he dead? And then he's
0: dead. I know they, he comes out of the room and and he like straightens out his jacket. We we just Lizzie and I just watched this episode uh, last week. It, it's 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 a great moment all around, and the episode is called Face Off, and it, it he yeah. like have a face. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's finish up the episode. So McKazian has just jumped off the bridge. Tony's pissed that because he might not find out what action or if big pussy is the rat or not. So he goes and he, he talks to the madame from the brothel that Ven spent a lot of time with and, and she sympathized with him and talks about how he used that time for therapy. And it's kind of, it's kind of tragic. She says how McKazian thought Tony always liked him and he trusted Tony and I thought it was a really poignant note for Tony as he's battling his own depression and this person he knew closely killed himself. And he's, I think he's regretting a little bit or second guessing the the cruelty he showed toward him. It's kind of how I took it. Uncle Junior goes to visit Livia too. And this is, I think, where this Livia storyline culminates. She knows that Tony sold her house now that she's in this retirement home. And as retaliation, she kind of offhand makes the comment like, oh yeah, Tony's meeting all the Capos and some of the New York guys, some of the guys from the New York crime families, which are separate families altogether at Green Grove. And she pretends to not know what she's doing. So as a viewer, maybe your first time watching you, you're actually kind of, oh, yeah, she doesn't know what she's doing. But I mean, I think she knows exactly what she's doing.
2: Oh, she definitely knows what she's doing. You kind of tell it in her eyes. And she's definitely getting more bold because I think at some point Junior's not going to want to take her you know use her as a sounding board Mm because i think that's what junior thinks that he's doing is using her as a sounding board but she's kind of getting bold directing you know playing puppet master so i could see uh you know them butting heads here soon
0: yeah i mean he assumes he finds out tony is meeting all the capos he assumes they're making a move against him like it's less uh it's more subtle than that. Tony's kind of just operating things behind Junior's back, but it's still, he thinks they're making a move. And so he realizes, you know, he needs to he needs to take action on Tony. And she always plays dumb how she's just like, oh, I don't like that kind of talk. I don't want that. But it's like, you knew exactly what his reaction would be, Livia. I thought it was just so well done. There's one line Junior says, he's like, I'm the boss for Christ's sake. Which actually a scene in Game of Thrones came to mind when Joffrey Baratheon is... I think it's season three where he's just like, I am the king. And uh, Tywin Lannister is like, anyone who says they are the king is no real king. Like anyone who says I am the boss or has to like adamantly try to communicate this to someone is probably not the boss. And I thought, I mean, that just really stuck with me. Jimmy the Capo, who was arrested with big pussy at the beginning, comes over to Tony's house and starts asking Tony about... The Colombian that they killed in the previous episode, the, who's connected to the uh, drug cartel and the drug money. And Tony's very smart. He realizes exactly what's happening. Jimmy's asking him specific questions, and Tony doesn't really answer them. But this makes him realize that Jimmy is a rat. Like, it's, he's like, oh, it's not Big Pussy, it's Jimmy. They were arrested at the same time. Two fat fucks with black hair, he says.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I this amazing scene at the in the back office of Satriali's where he's communicating this to Silvio. He's like, It's Jimmy. Jimmy is the rat here. Polly comes and they're they're afraid that Polly killed Big Pussy preemptively, or because Tony haphazardly gave that order, or they weren't sure if there was any confusion. So Tony is scared, scared for his friend Big Pussy, and it's just like acting master class here. Polly doesn't know where Big Pussy is. No no one does. And then we we wrap up uh the Junior Livia storyline and this this is more of a season arc. Like we have our episode things. This is more of a season arc, uh this tension between Junior and Tony. But we go to Mikey's house, which I think before I said Mikey was Junior's underboss. He's probably not he's probably lower. He's he is but he's his hit man. He's high up in, in junior's ranks. But another one at uh junior's guys, Chucky comes over. So there are lots of guys in the mob that we haven't seen yet, like a lot of Junior's crew. We haven't seen um, a lot of the other crews and things like that. So there will be other characters that come in. But Mikey explains to his wife, which is really just—it's for the audience's sake. The show plays it like his wife is dumb, but he's saying Tony Soprano's on his way out. You know, Junior's going to make a move on him, and so it's a way so we can find out what's going on. But I think the show does it well because they create this this wife who's supposed this wife and Mikey who are supposed supposed to both be dumb here and the last scene tony is looking out at the shore or into under the water where he used to meet vin mckazian and you know thinking about i think what's to come drew is an artist did this what did this last scene mean to you
1: (laughs) it was beautiful (laughs) (laughs) no i did want to say something about the the scene before though it's like when she's like well i need a new car and it's like you know for how dangerous and you know they're 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 not really rolling in dough um, yeah, you know, it's like the best is over. I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. It's like, maybe maybe she needs like a nice, a nice car or something, you know, once whatever was popular in the early two thousands, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, right. I don't, you, you would think that like sh- they would have enough money to, I don't know that, that, that wouldn't be an expense. That was like, like if you're killing people, you would think you'd be making enough money to
0: buy your wife, a new car. You would think at least that.
1: Yeah. How much does a new car cost in early 2000s? Like, you know, 10, 15, 20? I don't know.
0: Yeah. $20, I think. Uh, <laughs> inflation, mostly. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but that, that's a good point. And that's actually a theme. And part of the tension that comes up later in the show, too, is the cash from these jobs and these businesses these guys have is does fluctuate a lot. And bosses tend to make more money. Obviously, capos make more. But the guys in the cruise, it, it it's hard to see that that makes sense at all, right? It's like, all right, you have a house. That's nice. But you've had to kill a bunch of people to get here. So I don't know. Maybe they're just about that life more than anything else. Any other thoughts about, about the episode as a whole or any, any other scenes or, or characters
2: you guys want to chat about? What would you guys think of the, the ending where they just kind of ended – with tony looking out on the river i freaking loved it
1: it was beautiful
2: i like a weird thought (laughs) that like next episode is going to start with like that scene and then it'd be like five hours before but i don't feel like the sopranos would do something like that five hours before what like have you ever seen that uh like tv shows do that where they'll show like the end scene and then be like and then fade to black and be like five like five days beforehand and it'll
0: oh yeah so like he already took all the action he was gonna take and then we jump back is kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah. I think I Breaking know. Bad actually does that at the end of the first episode. He comes home after his meth cook and then second episode you find out what he what happened, like all the stuff he had to do. Um, I think. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. I, I watched it two days ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what haven't you watched besides the Irishman and the Godfather in the last two days? i just kidding.
1: Good fellows. <laughs>
0: I saw once upon a time in America over the weekend have you guys seen that before I'm gonna assume no in Hollywood or in America like in America which with Eddie Murphy no that's coming to America <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's where Quentin Tarantino got inspiration for the title of once upon a time in Hollywood because Sergio Leone made once upon a time in America and once upon a time in the West two different movies um, once upon a time in America is just three so lizzie was out of town for the weekend and it's this three hour and 50 minute gangster epic that i had never seen before because who has that kind of time but i was like all right this is the weekend that i'm gonna watch it and so like i uh yeah i started it like seven o'clock so like all right we're, we're doing this <laughs> um it's it's completely amazing and i actually don't remember how i what brought that up but
1: a movie that i haven't seen oh yeah <laughs>
0: put that in the it's it's you will never see nastier gangsters in a movie or show. Like in all, all other movies and shows, they come out as a little bit likable in some areas. In The Sopranos, you're like, oh, you know, these guys are kind of fun sometimes, even though they are evil
1: dudes. Once upon a time in America, they are wholeheartedly so bad. Did either of you guys see the the new show on Netflix, Fear City? No. No, I haven't. It's about the the mob in New York in the 70s or 80s. It's very okay. good. Three episodes, an hour long each, and it's talking about how they bugged them and like basically took down all the uh, the bosses. Mm. And when they put in Rico, which enabled them to—is that your brother? No,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Melfi says that. Really often. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It like enables them to arrest people for putting a hit on someone and not like doing the crime themselves. But it was, it's, it's very well done. It's only three episodes. And there's one scene where they're wiring this guy's TV and he can't, the cop can't get the guy to leave. So he just Mm -hmm. has him hold the flashlight and he's like, I'm going to fix it. And the guy's like holding the flashlight for him while he puts in a wire. And this is a true story. Damn! And they have someone outside, like fucking around with the cable, you know, just like, and then, and then, as soon as he puts in the wire, um, the cable, like, you know, works again. It's very good. You, you you'll like it. And it's all it's, it's like all us great.
0: trying to set up our video and audio at the start of this podcast
1: <laughs> for
0: like a half hour. <laughs> all right, let's. What is Google Meet? What is Google Hangouts? What is this? <laughs> No, that, I, I see that add on every time I turn on Netflix. It's, it's super good at like making you want to watch something. So pitfalls that I had. First one, first scene at the bordello. Then after, and big pussy hurts his back. He gets walked out. Then they have a titles card that says four days later on the screen, which is weird. They haven't had that yet in the Sopranos. Why did they just put that in? Like, why didn't
2: they just start the next scene? I know it's later. Maybe that's maybe that's why I had that thought at the end of the episode that it will be like four days earlier or something like that. (laughs) I don't remember how the next
0: one starts. Um, We'll see. We'll see, Josh. And then what we mentioned already earlier is Melfi's diagnosis of what is wrong with big pussy is two on the nose. Like she says, oh, it's because someone's keeping his secrets. What she should have said is like people can have physical pain from mental distress or something. But the fact that it's two on the nose is, is a bit much. Well, she might be wrong, right? Right. But no, but I, I mean, it was on the nose with what Tony was looking for uh, in okay. that situation. Gotcha. Um, we don't know yet. But yeah, it's what he's looking. He's like looking for any reason. And she like explains exactly what he's looking for is, is what I'm saying. Got it. And then when Polly is taking uh, Big Pussy to get the Schwitz, they're like inside and then Big Pussy's like, why'd you take me here, Polly? It's like, you wouldn't say this inside. Like, you didn't get an exterior shot of the scene or something. Um, they could have re- reworked the lines for that to make sense, I think. Once you realize you couldn't film that outside, you had to film it inside. I don't know. You guys have any pitfalls? I thought the br- I, I'm going back to the bridge. I think it could have been higher. <laughs> yeah, I think, that's, I think it's a valid one. Um, Lizzie brought up the other day, and this is a morbid rabbit hole, but we were driving over the Bay Bridge, And that's like a double decker, like one direction goes one way. The other direction is above you. Like the westward is above you. But she's like, hypothetically, like, would you be able to jump from this high and survive in case there was like an earthquake and you got like trapped on a bridge? And I'm like, ah, we probably wouldn't. I would take my chances on the bridge in that case. but That's a much higher bridge. So I was actually thinking about that when I watched the episode. I was like, that's pretty, that's lower than the Bay Bridge.
2: Yeah, I would take my chances with, you know, modern engineering (laughs) <laughs> i was i was not a collegiate diver <laughs> any
0: any other pitfalls for you guys
2: no i think we covered them
0: who do you guys think this is a i'm just curious who's been the best supporting role so far now that we lost one of our our supporting characters who i thought john heard was very good drew
1: who's been your favorite supporting role so far i mean probably livia yeah, yeah. She's so good. She's tough I mean, to
0: beat. She's like almost unbeatable.
1: Yeah. I mean, her, her, like the acting in her eyes too is, is very, um, very subtle, mm-hmm. very on point in my opinion. Yeah. She does make me hate her so much. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Christopher's just like, you've been working really hard at your, <laughs> <He's gross." laughs>
0: well, it's a different character. I, I have a soft yeah. spot for Michael Imperioli too. I think he's excellent. I do love Livia. I love Uncle Junior,
2: uh, Dominic Chianese. I think he's really good. I think I love, I love Polly. Like he's very entertaining. I think he's the most entertaining, lighthearted side of, you know, a B character.
1: And and highly sensitive. <laughs> he's like right? one of the most sensitive ones.
0: He probably rips on people for being soft, but then he is actually like one of the most sensitive ones. <laughs> I was I was thinking about that Josh too. Like he is, the comedic relief at times but this episode we actually see a darker side of him when he has that moment with Tony which i thought was a really good scene where he's like tony i'll do this i'll take care of big pussy this friend that they have that they are hypothetically talking about killing that was cool to see that that switch in character for him on that yeah livia is is pretty much unbeatable maybe maybe next week we'll talk about anyone except livia um best death so this episode had the one one death from van mccasian jumping off the bridge so we'll we'll tally those for the body count for the season best comedy moment this one was a more at least for me i thought it was a more serious episode especially coming off the um the more comedic moments in the last episode but uh this stuck out to me just as the writer's heat check when Polly says remember when that guy hit me in the head with a pool cue and i fucked my neck up try saying that five times fast but his delivery on that line and then just the fact that the writer threw that in, I thought was was freaking awesome. What about your
1: best comedy moment, Drew? I like the 1954 comment. <laughs> it's just
2: like, <laughs> <was> really good. <laughs> settled. <laughs> How about you, Josh? Yeah, kind of going to piggyback off you on the uh, the whole backstory um, with the actual back, and like you know, I just was cracking up. And he's like, but then again, you know the doctors say (laughs) they don't they don't know anything about backs so there's that (laughs) that was great the last thing i'll say about that
0: from a writer's standpoint like if that line the pool pool cue line was too over the top then people wouldn't be like if it was Polly was like oh god if i was like walking down this remember the time i was walking down the street and like an air conditioning fell out of the window and hit me in the head like that would have been too extreme i think Or if it wasn't subtle enough, like remember the time I, or if it wasn't specific enough, if he was just like, remember that time I fucked my neck up? I think that's what a lot of other shows do. But it's like just, it's like just the right amount. And I really appreciate that. I think that's, that's awesome. Like you can imagine him getting hit in the head with a pool cue in his day-to-day, in his day-to-day stuff. So best drama moments for me, it is the scene right after Tony Realizes Jimmy is the rat. Jimmy comes over to his house and starts asking Tony questions. So Jimmy goes into Satriali's and is freaking out because he realizes Jimmy's the rat, not pussy as he suspected, and then is worried for his friend. He thinks Polly might have hurt Big Pussy um, because they suspected him being a rat. And I thought all three of those guys, Silvio, Polly, and Tony,
2: just acting masterclass right there. I was just saying, I'd have to agree with you. Like that was, I think, hands down. The best acting and dramatic scene of the episode. Drew, how about you? Yeah, I had the same one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, I think it's it's okay if all three of us agree on one. It doesn't have to be different uh, to try to mix it up. I think that says something about the episode. You know, there and there's other great moments, like when he's talking to uh, Deb from the after McKazian dies, yeah. And he's learning that McKazian respected Tony and Tony's feeling horrible. I think that was really important too, but yeah, it's, it's tough to beat that one. All right. So we're coming down to this, this episode is about what's real. What's not. I think it's relates to the whole, the series as a whole, as we're trying to figure out what these characters are, are telling the truth about what they're not telling the truth about, you know, other, other series and Drew, you kind of mentioned it. If they are more linear, if they are more, more direct, they kind of cater to an audience in that way. But this one, it's not as easy to digest if you just if you just sit down and and watch it with half your mind into it or something like that, it it does take a little bit more, and I I think that's it. It makes it much much richer in the long run. But two episodes to go, Josh. Do you want to predict where the story's gone?
2: Um, yeah, I think uh, I think they're gonna find out the rat in the next episode. I think Junior's gonna get taken down by the FBI, and then I think we will kind of end with either a power vacuum or tony being at the top
0: a power v- oh just like no like uh iraq or something after saddam hussein got taken down yeah yeah basically just like a vacuum it's just like the middle east among the new jersey mob. <laughs> <laughs> um okay find out who the rat is junior you think is going to get found out by the fbi
2: yeah i don't know though i, I don't know if they re- it's i don't know what the writers if they would lose that character well i guess he doesn't have to die but basically lose him from the show after one. This season almost feels like it could have been just one season a show. Like almost all the storylines feel like they're coming together and it could have been like, "Oh yeah, we're good." But I'm glad they decided to continue.
0: Yeah, and I mean, David Chase thought of this as a movie first when he created it. Like when he filmed the pilot, he didn't think it was going to get picked up. It was like, "All right, great. I like movies a lot more than TV. I'll just film another hour." So I bet a lot of like the mother relationships with Livia, the Uncle Junior tension, I do think it, it, it is following a similar trajectory and they probably added a lot more in there to this, um, to this season. But yeah, I mean, like you I mean, it gets better after this season and they add so many more characters and, and it's just, I, I, I can't wait to get there. Anything else to say about the show, guys? No, I think, I think we said a lot.
1: Yeah, I think it's just great. i mean it's like what rewatching breaking bad and you know when you start to like really nitpick everything Mm -hmm. it's so hard to make like the shawshank redemption is pretty much a perfect movie or just like so on point in every aspect but like for a show to be on point you know for like seasons and Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's like as you as we nitpick through like every episode of of the Sopranos, it kinda seems like, oh, there's all these pitfalls, but it really is just like so superior.
0: Yeah, we should almost do like another episode of a show to pull out all the pitfalls because the pitfalls are way fewer than other things. Like rewatching Breaking Bad, especially those early seasons. Like I'd had I had like a long list of pitfalls every episode, um, in like seasons one and two of Breaking Bad. And we don't I mean, we're talking about like the bridge wasn't high enough. <laughs> <laughs> they made too many Godfather re- like in the early episodes. Like they made three. They should have made two uh, Godfather Part Three references. There's really not many. Like, well, yeah, I think that's a great point, Drew. Thanks. <laughs> but I do I do have a lot of pitfalls with the Shawshank Redemption, which we can get into another time. Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> Just r- ruin the booby for you. I still like it. I still really like it. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's our show this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you haven't yet, please give us a review. That really helps our show. It, it allows us to you know, keep putting this time in each week to, to talk about the Sopranos here. We really love doing this, so we would appreciate that. Uh, check us out if you have any questions on jaredbackins.com. Uh, give us a comment. Uh, you can also subscribe there if you want to get emails when a new episode comes out on Twitter as well. You can go to our page for memes and uh philosophical questions. Josh hasn't seen the Sopranos on Twitter. Drew is an artist. You can find him on uh at Drew Draws on Instagram and his website Rivers to See Stickers. Drew did the cover art for this podcast as well. Drew, how would you describe your your other art though? Cuz the cover art isn't quite what it, in your brand, right?
1: Uh yeah, my stuff's like illustration. Uh, I do mostly ink and watercolor. And uh, I guess people describe it as like happy and whimsical. But it's still like a step off from kids' book illustration, which is can be a little bit more cartoony. So,
0: And and by kids' book, I don't think that should take... I mean, I don't know if people understand art, but that shouldn't take away anything from it. It's like awesome, like outdoor surfing, hiking, travel kind of art, things like that from what I've seen on it.
1: Well, it's kind of like, I like the... Oh, thanks. Uh, This Soprano, uh, like calling it a uh, soap opera, like kids book illustration now is like through the roof with, there's some kids book art that you're like, holy shit. This is pretty incredible.
0: I'm so, I'm so pumped to talk about these next two episodes with you guys. Uh, Looking forward to next week. We'll see you guys next time.
1: Adios. Adios. (laughs) Tambien.